Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather each Sunday morning at 10.30 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's this week's message from Hollyview Church as Pastor Joel preaches from 2 Samuel chapter 6 with a message entitled, The King Among Us. Uh, I'd like to start this morning by reading a portion of our scripture uh, found in 2 Samuel in chapter 6. And in the Pew Bibles, it's page 241. 241, uh, 2 Samuel 6. I'd like to begin reading in verse 12. And it was told King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. We're going to stop right there. Uh, We see in this moment, in this picture, uh, David worshiping the Lord with his whole heart, his whole soul, mind, body. He is ecstatic. He's bringing the ark of God up, which had been carried away into battle and then placed outside the center uh, of Israel for so long. And he's finally bringing that back to the center of Israel with worshiping and with praising. We get this picture of David with his whole heart worshiping and following the Lord. But it wasn't always that way. Uh, In fact, there were times where David uh, kind of was worshiping the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. He was doing the right things. He looked looked good, uh, but his heart wasn't all sold out to the Lord. And then there's actually other times where, where David is hurt. Uh, he's uh, frustrated and he turns his whole face from the Lord and abandons him. And we're going to see all three of those pictures in our stories today. And uh, the truth of the matter is that you are each in one of those places this morning in your relationship with the Lord. Uh, maybe if it's a half heart, you want to look you want to look right. You want to do the right things, but kind of in your way. Or, or maybe you have a half, uh, maybe you have a no heart, and you're here, but you're frustrated and, and angry, and you've kind of given up on the Lord, even though if you're here, you're probably, uh, something's, something's stirring in you. Or maybe you have a whole heart uh, this morning. Uh, a half heart, no heart, or full heart. How do we know what kind of heart we, we have? We're going to see signs of that in our text uh, this morning. Uh, but before we do, let, let me pray once more. Um, the Lord, as we come uh, to your word, Lord, I pray that you would uh, quiet all the other voices that we hear. Lord, that our defenses would be down, that your word could speak and mold and challenge and encourage our hearts wherever we're at. So Lord, that we could see you, that we could see you in these in these words, in these stories, in 2 Samuel, and how they apply to our lives today. 
So open our eyes, let us see, open our ears, let us hear, Lord, soften each of our hearts so that we can, we can understand. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, before we get to our text, I actually want to give you a story uh, of how this is illustrated, all three of these positions that I saw in one moment in my life. Uh, I was a waiter at Chili's um, during college. Uh, I enjoyed that job, and there are some really interesting people that you work alongside when you wait, wait tables. I want to tell you about two of them this morning in a conversation we had. Uh, one of the guys' names was Jason. Uh, Jason was a couple years older than me. He actually gone to college with me, and we were even part of some of the Christian clubs on campus together. Uh, everybody loved Jason. Uh, he was one of those guys that always came in with a positive attitude, was always willing to help anyone out, would grab other people's tables food to bring it out to them, just to help uh, everyone out. Uh, everyone really loved Jason and him being around. If you, Jason was on your, your shift, you knew you were going to have a good, a good shift. And Jason was also uh, very open about his faith. Uh, he believed in Jesus, and he really walked that way. Uh, another lady that I worked with, a couple years older than me as well, her name was Shonda. Shonda, who I found out a couple months into it, was actually the cousin of my brother-in-law. So anyway, but there was some connection there. Well, Shonda uh, was one of the wildest, uh, rudest, foul-mouthed people I have ever met. Uh, the things that she would say, like behind customers, would make you blush. Like you wouldn't even want to be like around her because she was so uh, just kind of vile in a lot of things that that she did. Uh, she had grown up in the church, but had walked away and had gone far away. You you could you could just see that this girl well, there was something broken in her. Well, after, after one of our shifts, we were all standing around, like, counting our tips and, and talking and everything, and, and the subject of Jason came up. Jason wasn't on our shift, uh, but Shonda was, and Shonda was one of the most uh, loudest in this conversation talking about Jason and saying, you just got to respect the guy. He, he says one thing, and he does it. Uh, he, he's one of the most kindest people that are here. He... I know he believes in God, and I've totally rejected God, but there's something about Jason that, that we all respect. He, he's, a, he's a Christian, and most Christians aren't like that. And, and the whole conversation of all these waiters around there, everyone was kind of agreeing. Uh, most of them weren't believers, but they were all saying, yeah, there was something about Jason, his boldness and his faith, that, but he actually lived it. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't a, you know, ashamed of it. He lived truly who he was. You know who else was in that conversation? Me. I was standing there going, I don't even think they know I'm a Christian. Uh, and you know what I rationalized in my head? Well, I don't want to offend anybody. I know she's really anti-God, uh, and so I don't, want, I don't want to offend her, so I just won't say anything. I'll just be quiet. I'm, I'm a quiet personality anyway. But standing there in that conversation, he hearing the respect they had for a guy who who actually was a man of integrity and said uh, what he believed and then lived that way was so appealing to them. Well, there I was, part of that conversation. Nobody knew I was a believer. At least they were talking like they thought I was just one of them. And I, I felt convicted in, in my heart. Here's the picture that I had. I had a picture of Jason who was wholeheartedly following the Lord. And what a draw that was to other people. 
And then I had a picture of, of Shonda, who had totally rejected the Lord, no heart for the Lord whatsoever, and yet she recognized she's missing something, something that Jason had that she was missing. And, and there I was. I recognized myself as really I had given half my heart to the Lord, but was trying to manage and, and uh, justify and, and kind of, uh, keep keep it under wraps because I didn't want to offend anyone else, and, and really that that wasn't good for for anybody there. As we return to our text today, we're going to see David actually in each one of those spots today in, in these three stories that we're going to see. We're going to see uh, signs of David having a half of a heart where he's worshiping, he's bringing the ark up, but but he's doing all these things that he's just justifying what he's doing that's just uh, not exactly what God says, but, you know, let, we can make do. Uh, we see him with no heart as he abandons the ark of God at one point, turns his back on God and leaves it for three months to finally, at the end of our story, and we read just a little bit of it already, we see David with a whole heart. Uh, we get to that place of David having a whole heart because of God's forgiveness and kindness and love and uh, grace that he gives David. And David can't help but respond with his whole heart. So half heart, no heart, and a whole heart. First, let's look at David's half-hearted attempt to worship the Lord. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we'll look at the um, first couple verses of chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6, starting in verse 1. David's half-heart. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart, not just any cart, a new cart, and brought it up out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio and the, son, the sons of Abinadab were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and cassinets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nisan, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and, told, and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. Let's stop right there. You might have heard this story before. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing it, and you're thinking, well, it's a little rough, isn't it? I mean, Uzzah, he's just trying to, um, he's just trying to, to, to help. He doesn't want the, the ark to fall. Why would God strike him, strike him dead? Well, before we pass judgment, I, I want to give you a little bit of context and a little bit of a picture of what's going on here. So, so s withhold your judgment on how harsh God is until, until you see the rest of uh, this context. First thing we need to know, we need to know a little bit of something in the Ark of the Lord. Uh, you might know it from Indiana Jones. Uh, you've seen the Ark on there. It's this box that God had them create at Mount Sinai. Uh, it was uh, a box that was covered in gold inside and outside. It had some artifacts that God said to put in there that was supposed to remind them uh, of how God had led him, them through uh, the wilderness and was leading them as a people. Uh, on the ark, as you can see, there, there's these two angels on either side called cherubim, 
and these two angels with their wings spread uh, over there. And then what the seat that was on there, the covering, was called the, uh, the, the seat uh, of mercy, or also called the atonement seat. Atonement means covering. So, so that lid was really an, a, a seat. Uh, and as you see that God was enthroned on this seat. So, so really when you're picturing it, this is the place in between the cherubim is God's presence, uh, and it's a throne. The, the ark was God's throne that the people would carry along. Now, now they couldn't just carry it in any way. There was specific uh, holes through it that they would put these poles in, and they were to carry it. It's very specifically in Numbers. You can read about it if you're at all interested this week. Numbers chapters 4 and chapter 7. Uh, there was specific people that were to carry it, not anybody, but a certain tribe, the Kohats, uh, there's a tribe of Levi that were uh, in charge of carrying all the sacred belongings. And they were supposed to carry the ark. And they weren't supposed to carry it just in any way. They were supposed to carry it with poles and, and on, their, on their shoulders. Um, even that was only after the Levites would take this coat of um, goat skin and cover over the ark so that no one would touch it. Because if anyone touched it, that's God's holiness, and they would surely die. Um, so I want to picture what's going on here. David is worshiping the Lord. He's finally bringing the ark back to the center of Israel. He's doing the right, the right thing, but he's not doing it the right way. He's actually only got half a heart. It's the idea of picture people carrying a throne. You've seen this before in movies or something where they've got those men and they on their shoulders, they're carrying this throne of their, of their king into the thing. Only in our story today, instead of carrying it on their shoulders, they put it on a cart. A, a new cart, but, but a cart. And what's, a, what's an ark do on a cart that's being ridden along in this bumpy road that's tossed and turned all around? Uh, I was trying to think of what would be an illustration for us today. And I was thinking, if you were on a, going on a road trip with your grandparents, uh, and instead of letting your grandma, sorry, sorry, instead of letting your grandma sit in like the passenger seat, Instead of that, you rent a U-Haul, and you and Grandpa up front, and you throw Grandma in the back, uh, just, to, just to toss and turn all around. And, and you're like, hey, Grandma, you okay back there? And of course not. She's thrown all, all around the place. That, that's not at all the way that it's supposed to be. So what David has done initially is put the ark, the throne of God, on a, on a cart, a new cart, and it's bouncing all around so that Uzzah, when it's stumbling over the thing, reaches out and, and touches it. And, and then he, and no one's supposed to touch it, so then he ends up dying. It's not a cruel thing. Don't think of it as a cruel thing. Think of it as a reality thing. It's like if you tell your kids, hey, don't touch those little glowing red things at the bottom of the oven. You're not being cruel. You're being, hey, this is very dangerous. Don't do that. So I want to stop here and point out the two signs in this story that, that, that David is actually worshiping the Lord with only half of a heart. Only half a heart. Here's the first thing. He justifies his disobedience. He justifies his disobedience. Uh, God's word was very clear. They were supposed to carry the ark on their shoulders. But David puts it on a cart. Now, we don't know, we don't know why David did this. We can make some speculations. It says in our text that it's a new cart. Maybe thinking, you know, uh, 
I get it that we were supposed to carry it so long ago, but that was written like 500 years ago. I mean, you can imagine how we've advanced in 500 years. And David might be like, well, we've really advanced. We don't need to carry things anymore. We have carts and the the cart design industry and wheel engineering has really advanced. And so I can see why this is a culture. We've advanced past what God has said, and we could make some, some stipulations. Let's just put it on a cart. We don't need to necessarily obey all of God's commands. Uh, we, we've changed as a culture. Let's, let's just change that. We can obey uh, some of them, what makes sense to us, but the other ones we'll, we'll improve on. I think for David, it has this appearance of, yeah, we're, we're following the Lord, just kind of how we want to do it. What's a little bit easier uh, for us? He's justifying, actually, his disobedience. And the second thing he's doing with the half heart is he's downplaying sin. He's downplaying his sin. Uh, a half heart actually thinks, you know, I'm not as bad as that guy. You know, I'm not as bad as, as that person is. I mean, that person's really bad, but I'm kind of clean in comparison to them. My, my sins are, are not that bad. You know, Uzzah stuck out his hand to keep the ark from falling in the dirt. Because he's thinking, obviously my hand is cleaner than the, the dirt. We wouldn't want the ark to fall in the dirt and get all dirty. But the truth of the matter is, the, the dirt had never rebelled from the Lord, had never used their hand to uh, steal something or hit someone uh, or, or use a mouse to go in a wrong place. The, Uzzah's hand was actually much dirtier than the dirt. And so when he thinks, I'll stop this from going in the dirt, I'm better than the dirt. And God says, no, you're not. You have rebelled against me in your heart. You, the holiness of God is something to be uh, honored and revered, and you've just downplayed your sin. Like, you're not that bad. Uzzah thought, I'm cleaner than the dirt. You might think that too. But he wasn't. Because of Uzzah's uh, heart, he wanted to... Uh, he wanted to do something that he thought, oh, I'm better than that. And even in our hearts, when we hear that story, and I do the same thing, when we hear that story, we go, boy, isn't that a little rough? Uh, because we look at Uzzah and go, well, I'm not that bad either, really. I mean, I'd probably have done the, the same thing. Uh, our, our hearts want to downplay our, our sin. We're really not that bad. And we see David did the same thing as well. He places the, the ark on the cart. It's David's call. He's the king. And when Uzzah dies, it's a really an indirect result of David's decision to put the, cart on, or the ark on the cart. So then David gets mad at God. Come on, God? It wasn't that big a deal, was it? What, what's so wrong with, with us just, you know, justifying our, our disobedience just a little bit, Lord? We're not that bad. And so then he gets mad at God. The Bible tells us the, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Next, David responds uh, with no heart towards the Lord. So he gives his half heart to the Lord, and the Lord responds with his holiness and justice. And then he, he goes, ah, I'm just going to forget the whole thing then. So he has no heart towards God. In David's anger, he abandons the Lord. Look in verse 8. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah, 
And that place is called Perez Uza to this day, which is actually linked back to our last chapter as well. It means uh, the Lord break, broke out against Uza. Verse 9, And David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. We don't quite know who Obed-Edom is, but a Gittite, uh, most scholars believe, is from the town of Gath which is actually a, a Philistine city. So they think that he abandons the Ark of the Lord to this Philistine guy. Uh, David was afraid. He was stubborn. He wasn't remorseful at all. We don't hear any sorrow that this man died because of his decision to put the Ark on the cart. He actually blames God. He saw this man die, die right in front of him for the decision that David had made uh, to take the, the Ark by cart it was his fault. It was David's fault. And even if they were instructed not to touch the ark, David was in this midst of worshiping the Lord, and then this guy dies, and that stops the party. <laughs> it stops the worshiping. Um, I think that's what happens when things don't turn out like we think they should. Uh, when we think it should go this way and it doesn't, we, we end up stop worshiping the Lord. David hadn't planned this or seen this, uh, seen this coming, and now he's upset. This isn't how it's supposed to work out. Why, God? I was doing my best, at least. Why, why did this happen to me? And so he says, I'm just done. So David leaves the, heart, the ark with a man uh, whose house is nearby, Obed-Edom. He says, here, you, you take it. Uh, and this is one of the saddest commentaries of David's life. You take the ark, you take God's presence, and he turns his back on the Lord and he walks away and goes home. For three months, he has nothing to do with the Lord. He doesn't go to church. <laughs> uh, he doesn't pray. He just abandons the Lord to his enemies. He's afraid, too. Who knows if the Lord's going to break out on me? Maybe David had a realization of, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am, and the Lord might actually break out on me, and I don't want my sin to be uh, come to that. So for three months, he abandons the ark of the Lord to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. This is great news for Obed-Edom, isn't it? I mean, for three months, this guy... Uh, has like the best three months of his life. As the Lord's blessing him, his presence is there. Uh, God was just blessing him. But I want to turn now and just give you two signs of what it looks like to have no heart for the Lord in David's story here. The first thing we see, with no heart you blame God for things. Blame God. David is reacting out of fear of anger, his emotions are high. And when your emotions are high, you're not thinking logically. Uh, you're not listening to the words of God. There's no truth statements in David's uh, response back. His thought process isn't right there. There's no actual self-reflection like, hmm, what have I done? What could I do better? He actually gets angry and blames God. How could you do this, God? When we know in the story, this is not God's fault. David had charted his own path, he had made his own decisions, but then out of fear and how things didn't go the way he wanted them to, he blames God and then pulls back and says, I'm better off without you, God. 
Uh, I don't know if this has been your experience, but it's been mine. A lot of people that have rejected God with no heart whatsoever aren't actually rejecting him from some logical uh, place or some rational thing. Most of them have been hurt uh, because they thought it was supposed to be one way, and it turned out that it didn't be that. It wasn't that way. And so then they end up blaming God, and it's out of hurt or, or anger or frustration. And the truth of the matter is our, our emotions don't lead us to the place that's always the best, do they? Uh, they when they come up, uh, our logical thinking brain, what, what the truth of God's word is, starts to get drowned out and what we feel becomes dominant. And then that just leads us uh, away from the Lord oftentimes. We've all, we've all been there. And when we're there, I think our hearts grow cold or bitter or frustrated with the Lord. And, and so we blame God and, and we just walk away. The second thing we see uh, from David's life with no heart towards the Lord is that he's missing something. There is something that David was missing that whole time that he had abandoned the ark to Obed-Edom. I'm sure as he walked Home in his anger or frustration, he's thinking, this is better. I'm just going to leave the Lord there, and he can do whatever he wants, and I'm going to go off by myself. But then for three months, he must have just been had this nagging, aching feeling like, I'm missing something. There's something not right in my life. And then he gets word that, boy, Obed-Edom, he's, he's doing great because the Lord's presence is with him. And he realized, that's what I'm missing this nagging feeling inside of him uh, finally moves him towards the Lord. He knew he was missing something. There's a better way to live this life. You know, you actually might be in that position this morning. Maybe you've rejected the Lord at some point, or maybe even uh, this week. You said it's better off without you, but there's this nagging feeling, boy, you're missing something. You know, David's son, Solomon, uh, wrote some uh, books in the Bible as well. One of them is Ecclesiastes, and he says that God has put eternity in the hearts of everyone. That, that there's this eternal space in each one of us that only God, who is eternal, can fill. And yet we try to fill it with all these other things, but at the end of the day, we still know there's something missing. Uh, you sense that at funerals, too. That we get to the funeral and go, boy, uh, one more walk, one more talk, one more something. But even if we would have had that one more something with our loved one, there's still this eternal size hole in us that can only be filled by the Lord. He's put it there to let us know that he's there, and it would drive us to know that there's something missing, and it would drive us to him. Well, David has attempted half-heartedly to worship the Lord. He was worshiping, but not quite the, the right way, kind of justifying his disobedience and uh, kind of doing his own thing. And then, then when God comes with holiness, he, he ends up going, okay, forget it. I don't want anything to do with you, Lord. Leaves, leaves him for three months. But now in the story, we'll see that God is a God of second and third and fourth chances. We'll see David respond to that God of graciousness and forgiveness uh, with worshiping the Lord with his whole, whole heart. So if you have your Bibles, look again in verse 12. We'll read to the end of the chapter, verse 12 in chapter 6. And it was told King David, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. 
And when those who had bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. Let, let me just stop right there real quick. When he had gone six steps, what's that mean? They're carrying the ark now. Was it that in those three months, David actually uh, had this nagging itching to go, maybe I need to go back and revisit the words of God. And now we see David, he's fully obeying the words of God by, by having them bear it on their shoulders and walk. And even when they walked six steps, he's like, is God so gracious that he's forgiving us? He's giving us a second chance. He dusted off the words of the Lord and said, let's, let's just get this thing back on track. Verse 14, and David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting with the sound of the horn. Verse 16, and the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. Oh, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings, peace offerings before the Lord, and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among all the people the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins to each one. Then all the people departed each to his house, and David returned to bless his household. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of the servants, female servants, as one of those vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michael, It was before the Lord, who chose me above your father, and above all his house, to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. And I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. I'm going to end with three signs that you're worshiping the Lord with your whole heart from this text. The first thing we see is that you're free. You're free. Uh, at this moment, David was so focused on the Lord that it didn't matter who was there, who was technically below him as a servant. It, he didn't care what people were thinking about him. He was so drawn and captivated on the Lord. He was free to dance, free to worship, free to be who God had made David to be. Now, when you're free like that, it doesn't mean you always have to dance down the aisle. So when we go into worship in a few minutes, it doesn't mean everyone has to be dancing in the aisles. That's okay. You can, though, if you want, Caleb says. Uh, you're free to do that, but what really freedom means is that it's not that you don't care about what other people think. It's that you care about what God thinks more than anything else. That God says, this is who I've made you to be. This is who you are. Don't let anyone else drag you down. 
When you give your whole heart to the Lord, he removes of all those chains of like peer pressure in school or I got to do this or got to wear this. He just removes all that says, I've made you exactly who I want you to be and I'm calling you to me. You can be free. The second thing with the whole heart is that you're forgiven. You know, David had sinned in our story. I mean, twice. He ends up putting the cart or the ark on the cart, which is clearly he's not supposed to do. He ends up getting a guy killed because of that. And then he leaves for three months, just leaves, uh, leaves God behind. You ever had a season in your life where you're like, but I just don't even want to be uh, around Christians or go to church. I'm just going to, I'm better off on my own. And then when you turn around and you're like, I think I'm missing something, and, and you come back, or you go for the first time and you feel like, oh, everyone's going to judge me or be, everyone's going to know. And that's not true at all. Because God is a God of second and third and fourth chances, He's a God of forgiveness. David had disobeyed. He had turned his back on the Lord. And yet when he turned to go back to the Lord, the Lord forgave him. David had gotten a second chance. And when he's forgiven much, he loves much. When he's forgiven by the Lord, uh, he's free and forgiven. And he can give his whole heart to the Lord. And with that whole heart, he can't help but uh, worship the Lord uh, with all that he has. He's free, he's forgiven, and the third thing is, is that out of this abundance uh, of this pouring in of your heart, there's this overflow of generosity. In our story, he says, David, he blessed everyone around him. Men, women, servants, everyone. Here, here, here. He realized how much he'd been forgiven, and boy, that just exploded in this generosity and blessing other people all around him. Here, every one of you, take. Because I've been given so much from the Lord. But not just to other people. That's sometimes the easiest, right? We can be nice to other people, and then we get home, and then we start uh, complaining about all those other people that we just blessed, but we have something wrong. But David goes home, and he blesses his own household. Uh, even his, his wife, Michael, who totally like slams him down, he blesses his household. A heart fully given to God, fully given over to him, will overflow with thanksgiving and generosity. Signs of worshiping the Lord with the whole heart is that you're free, you're forgiven, and that you're, you're very generous. Let me just take us back uh, to that story at the beginning. Uh, me and that conversation with those uh, other people. Uh, who do you identify with in that story? Uh, where, where's your heart? And if you look at those signs of uh, half heart, no heart, whole heart, uh, what would other people say about you? Like, oh man, he's, he's got a whole heart to the Lord. Or, or would they even know you're a believer? I think uh, these stories really challenge us to, to look and say, where are we at in that? Do we care more about what other people think? Do we care more about what people say uh, next to us or online or anything? Or are we just free to go, the Lord's given me forgiveness and freedom. I'll tell you about him because I've given my whole heart to him. Let me pray. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. And I would just encourage you, uh, even in this worship, it, um, 
I think there's often times when we when you speak about worship and then you go into worship that you're like, okay, now what am how am I supposed to respond? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to raise my hands or dance down the aisles or have my hands? And I, I think the challenge to all of us is just be free. Be free in who God's made you to be. Because if you raise your hands, that's great. If you keep your hands down, that's great. If you want to dance in the aisles, that's great. <laughs> We're not quite a dancing church, but hey, that's great. If you want to do that, uh, I think the challenge is to just give the Lord your whole heart. doesn't matter what you do. Just give the Lord your whole heart. Let's pray. Lord, would you make us wholehearted worshipers of you? Would we not uh, compare ourselves to anyone else? Would we not justify the, the sins that are in our lives, but would we completely give them over to you so, Lord, that we can be free, we can be forgiven? And, Lord, I know we each go through ups and downs of, of whole heart, no heart, uh, half heart. Lord, would you reveal in us, especially in those times when we're just given half a heart, would you reveal those times that we're not quite where you want us to be? so that we can be free, we can be forgiven. We can know uh, the forgiveness in your son Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins in place of us, was buried and resurrected so that we could die with him and raise with him, that we can be whole, his righteousness on our behalf, so that we don't have the chains of what other people think about us, we don't have the burdens, we don't have the guilt or the shame, that we can just give it all over to you. And Lord, I pray this morning if somebody needs to do that, that during these worship songs, that they would do that even in their own heart, that they would just give you their whole heart in worship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church. Thank you.